Welcome to another episode of Crazy Train with Jasmine St. Clair. So this episode I had to splice up into two for one specific reason, because I was having so much fun with Missy Hyatt. I mean, we're talking about reasons why Ted Nugent should not be on TV showing people how to handle firearms. I mean, that is some serious psychotic nutjob stuff. And then we're talking about all these other things, such as guys and, you know, if you listen to this episode, you'll find out who I think is really super hot in XPW Wrestling. But that's all. I just think he's hot. I just look. I don't touch. And, um, you know, we, we have a lot of political things going on this episode. And also, her whole fascination with history. I bet you didn't know this. Missy Hyatt likes to get dressed up like a nurse from the war. And, you know, do these little reenactments. It's kind of cool and fun. So hopefully I got to do one with her. But yeah, it was a lot of fun catching up with her. So buckle up and enjoy the ride in part one of Crazy Train with Jasmine St. Clair and my special guest, Missy Hyatt, the first lady of wrestling. I'm so I'm so happy to see you, Missy. I mean, I've not seen Missy Hyatt in person in a while. So it's got to happen sooner than later. Maybe XPW will bring you yeah, back. Yeah, I would love that. Would you be I'd a love to out to California or or Newark or somewhere if we go to Florida? Yeah, New York would be even better. Yeah, New York's a place where you can get into trouble. I think. Yeah. Well, my guy lives in New Jersey, so that would be great. Oh, that's perfect. A long distance. Yeah. How do you handle Are you guys doing stuff in New York? Uh, you guys are doing. It's Newark, New Jersey, but like everyone from Jersey thinks Newark is New York and it's not. Just it's like, not. Newark is like, uh, yeah. But that's good though. Um, and then the other thing, okay, so I know before I wanted to bring you on, okay, I know you didn't want to talk about wrestling. So I have to ask you, mm-hmm. is it because people ask you the same like questions over and over? Cause that yeah, was- same old stuff. You know, they asked me, how'd you get, did, when did you start? I'm like, everybody knows, you know, it's like, you know, at least this year, I finally, another year, I didn't get in the world-class, um, oh, what is it? The curse, the world-class curse. I still lived another year. So, because everybody that I started with is gone just about. And it's really sad. It's really sad. Rick Rude, um, um, all the Von Erics except Kevin, thank God he's still alive. Um, just, it's really sad, you know? Yeah. I think that's the sad part about wrestling. It's so much fun to be a part of this like circus. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then just when people pass away, like when new Jack passed away, despite our differences once he and I were like, so immature together. It was so perfect. And there's nothing with being immature. Like that's, you have to be immature to be in this business. Oh yeah. You have to be, and you have to love it. You know, I don't understand these people. Like when they were doing the diva thing, they were getting these girls or, or like Johnny Ace goes through um, fitness magazines and picks out pretty girls and they call the agent up. Hey, does she want to be in wrestling? You know, you got to love the business. You got to love wrestling. You got to be a fan to, to really be successful in wrestling. I think, I mean, that's my opinion. What I think you got to be a fan of it to be successful. You just can't be like an ex football player or you know, ex-pro football player. And then you decide, oh, I'll just become a wrestler, you know, and go to training school and learn how to wrestle. No, you got to love it. You got to love the business. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. The second they have tough enough, I wanted to like, I just, I just got so sick to my stomach. Remember Big Dick Dudley? Yeah. 
I, I loved him. I loved him so much. We were so I miss fun. him too. Yeah, I miss his jokes because we used to rip people all the time. So he would stay with me in California and we were just friends, everyone. And so you don't get any dirty freaking thoughts. But um, so I took him down uh, to where they had those gladiator auditions because they wanted him to. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you heard what happened, but the second they no. let him there, he went after everyone. He was like literally power, like power bombing everyone and choke. I'm like, OK, they asked us okay. to leave. a few years rolled by, like about 15 years. And I'm at a barbecue. This woman remembered me from when I brought him in that day. You know, I just want to give people a chance to be on TV. I'm like, yeah, but look at who you're giving the chance to. You're giving a chance to losers, losers who watch TV and do not understand what this is. So, yeah, they deserve right. to get like broken collarbones and shit. Right. You're going to get hurt. You know, I've been hurt. You yeah. know, we all I mean, you're going to get hurt. It's just inevitable. It's scary, but yeah, I, mean, I, you know, my doctor, you know, he's like, uh, you need a shoulder replacement. You need a surgery on your neck. You're six, seven and eight. You need a bolt. You need a plate and screws in your neck and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Shoulders take a year to recover and they only last like 15 years. So if I live to be like 80, I'm going to need three of them, you know, I mean, so I, I just, I, I'm, I'm putting off all the, you know, all the arthritis and all the other stuff that I have. And I know it's from wrestling. You know, I, that, I, I couldn't be this beat up if it wasn't from doing the stuff. And then I watched some old YouTube stuff of like me and Dark Journey. First off, it was the worst shit in the world. But the way we were throwing around each other, I mean, we were just young and dumb and stupid. We didn't know what we were doing in the ring. You know, we, I never went to wrestling school. I didn't know how to lock up. I didn't know how to do anything. You know, and they just threw us in there going cat fight. Okay. You know? Yeah, that looked like a nightmare with her. Like, um, kind of a bad nightmare. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, I don't oh, know. It was a nightmare. And if anybody would have said back then that one day you guys are going to be really good friends and she's going to stay at your house, I'd be like, get the hell out of here. That never happened. She's the coolest person in the world. She's come. She stayed at my house. We went to Panama City and stayed with a friend of hers in Panama City Beach and had a great time. She cooked and everything. She's just wonderful to be around. I love her. And it's just like, oh, my God, I wish we would have gotten along like this back in the day. But, you know, they kept us separated, like, you know, the heels and the faces. And you never you weren't in the same dressing room. Everything was through the 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 referees or the booker and stuff like you never got to meet or know the person that you were working with. And that's a shame. I mean, I got to meet no sunshine, which was great. And she really helped me so much, you know, with the cat fighting and understanding the business and everything. And I remember one time I was laughing, we were rolling around, right. And our hair, and I started laughing and she got on to me when we got back. Don't you ever laugh. And I go, but I couldn't help it. I was having so much fun. You know, yeah. But I learned my lesson. Yeah. I learned my lesson. So. Yeah, it's funny because like you think of the movie Grease and remember the movie Grease with Olivia. Yeah, Nelson? yeah. So a lot of people don't know this, but she and Cha-Cha, who is the Latina who danced like uh -huh. they were like really good friends in real life. And that's how Cha-Cha got the job was through Olivia Newton-John. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. It was great. I wanted to be Olivia Newton-John so bad. It was like I was like 14 15 maybe when it came out i don't remember but oh my god i so wanted to be her so bad she was so hot sandy you know it was so hot 
<laughs> really? I was more of a cha-cha girl because she got into the convertible cars with all the really dangerous guys. And yeah. She was wrecking yeah. that home with John Travolta, with Danny Zuko. And, uh, oh, yeah, Danny, Danny Zuko. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about him, though. I don't know if he'd like me because I think it's a different um set of uh, things. I, I think he, he, he pitched, what I've heard is that he likes other things, not women. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but he's an amazing actor. I loved him in Saturday Night Live because I had Saturday Night Fever because I have this like, yes, um, this thing for uh, what do you, for Guido's. Uh huh. I know. I do too. My my boyfriend's all Italian. You know, New Jersey Italian boy. Oh yo, so. how you doing? How you doing? Yeah, you know, it's like I don't yeah. forget about it. Exactly, <laughs> but like this macho thing. Because in today's society, these guys are such bitches. This is why I love wrestling. Okay, because some of the guys that work for XPW, they are hot. Like really? Oh my god! These are young, yeah. And hotter. That's like some serious. Like that is hot maga cock. I don't care what anyone says. I I don't know. (laughs) I don't mean to disrespect anyone, but I'm sorry. I'm just gonna be real. He is a hot piece of maga cock. I think. And like Big Joe is freaking hot. He's British. Oh, you're gonna have to let me. Yeah, (laughs) throw me against the wall. Oh yeah. But no, I'm, I'm just friends with these guys. And no, G does not mark the spot. Like, I, I'm just staying in the friend zone. I have no map out of there. And that's totally fine because I work with them. Yeah. We don't need like another Damien Steele situation. I think you were yeah. the height of that thing with me and Damien Steele. <laughs> but yeah, so I know that, like, you know, I don't see you wrestling as much, but I do know you have a fascination for something I love a lot, which is history. Yes. How did that happen? And how do you think? I've always been a history geek and I've always been a World War II geek because my dad was in World War II. And so growing up, I didn't understand why the Soviet Union, we were, you know, the Cold War was going on, but yet they were our allies in World War II, but now we don't like them. And Germany's our friend, but Germany, you know, so I didn't understand a lot of that. So when I was like 13, 14, I started asking my dad a lot of questions and see my mom's German and my dad, you know, is Irish or whatever. And they're my, my, my parents that raised me. I was adopted at birth, but you know, I was told I was German and Irish when they gave me to my parents, which I'm not, I'm Sicilian and Scottish. So I found that out later when I was like 24. But anyway, um, the history part, it was just asking my dad questions and watching documentaries and everything. And I just got so, it was so funny. I asked my mom one time, I said, mom, did they have color back then? She goes, what do you mean? I go, well, didn't the ladies wear like reds and greens and yellows and colors? She goes, yeah, of course. I go, well, how come all the footage that I see, everything looks so blah and looks so grays and stuff. She goes, honey, you're watching it in black and white. I'm like, oh yeah, duh. You know, I, you know, I was young at the time, you know, I didn't realize, but I, I just got into it. And then I met a guy, oh my gosh, about 20 years ago at a bar and we were talking. I said, you know, I know more about Germany and World War II than anybody else in this bar. I don't know why I said it, but he's like, no, I did. So we started one up in each other. Well, what is this? Or what is that? You know, what was, what was the operation called when the Germans went? went after the soviet union you know and so we were going back and forth on stuff he's like oh my god you know your shit and i'm like yeah i go i know everything about i know everything about i mean i'm more well versed in the in the european theater than i am in the of the asian 
you know, against the Japanese. I'm learning more of the Japanese, you know, because my dad fought in the South Pacific. He wasn't in Germany, but my mom was German. So I wanted to learn more about them. Plus their uniforms just, you know, Hugo Boss designed their uniforms. Any guy in a German uniform looks hot. I mean, you can put a schmuck in a German uniform and I'm like, hey, baby, you know, it's just something. I don't know. But he told me about living history and reenacting. And I knew they did Civil War because I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida, and they have, you know, a lot of Civil War around here. But I never knew they did World War II. And when I found that out, I was like, oh, my God, tell me more. I want to know more. And so I went to my first event and I fell in love with it. And I started being a part of the group, you know, and I joined a unit. And um, my first unit was the first SS LAH recon. And um, they were awesome. They were awesome. Brian and the and the other two brothers, you know, they saw me at the event. It was at uh, Fort Indian Gap for Battle of the Bulge. It's in January. It, they don't hold it anymore. They have held it for like 20 something years. And some idiot about three years ago had his hand on the mortars. And even though they're not real, they still do blow, you know, and go out and he blew his finger off. And so the commander of, of Fort Indian Gap, because it's a where they do, um, oh, what is it? The not military now, but when you're just one weekend a month or one weekend a month and two weeks out of the year, the what is that? The um, okay, <laughs> the um, the home guard or the home military or whatever I forget what it's called anyway. That, yeah, that's where there's you know, that's where they do their training and stuff. And so we stayed in barracks that the Germans built during World War II. So everything was like really World War II ish and stuff, and all the and the vets would come, and it was a great event. But I was walking around, and these two brothers come out, and they're like, Hey, are you Missy Hyatt? And I'm like, Yeah. And they're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm a history geek like you. What do you mean? What am I doing here? I'm, you know, reenacting. I want to, you know, be a part of it. So they, they invited me in and brought me into their barracks and just, you know, kind of my brothers and sons. So I have five sons, you know, that's what I say because I wear the mother's cross and, uh, but I wear it in bronze. So I have five sons in the Waffen SS, I tell people, you know, I'm a, a proud German mother of five sons. And they all have me in their soul books, which is like their ID booklets as their mother. Uh, so, but, but they're five different, different fathers, but whatever. <laughs> hey, that's, that's, that sounds, that's, that's, hey, I was just doing my duty for the right. You know, I was just having babies for the right, you know, that's all I did. So I was about to say that you just, you're doing your civil duty and this is totally mm -hmm. fine. Nothing's wrong with that. And uh, yeah, I have, I do, I do German Red Cross. So that way it's not like I'm doing anything that's political or um, anyone can misconstrue because the world, the German, the Red Cross under the Geneva Convention would take care of anybody. It didn't matter which combatant you wore, civilian, they would take care of you. And so that's why I decided to do German Red Cross, because that way I'm, I'm, I'm distancing myself from any of the eugenics or camps or anything like that. You know, I'm there to help, you know, and I get all these old guys that will come up there. Hi, I got, I think I'm sore. I'm thinking I'm having a heart attack or something. I got, like I said, I got some 75 year old morphine and a rusty old syringe. I can give you a shot if you need it. You know? <laughs> but all my stuff is all original. I have a whole field hospital. I have it insured. Everything's insured because can't find it again. But I search and find stuff all the time for my field hospital display. But I have an event in two weeks in Zephyr Hills, Florida which is a really big event. Rabbi Rob's bringing six American tanks, World War II tanks. And it's a really great battle. They go boom. When those tanks go boom, it's just the sound reverberates. It's amazing. Totally amazing.
sounds like so much fun. Like I want to do it, but I know you have a strong passion for it, which is cool because I think a lot of people today, um, both young and old need to learn one lesson, which is go through life with, um, you know, you don't get a career or a job just because, you know, you're just looking to make the money to pay the bills and stuff, but go, that's, that's fine. That's one thing, but don't live your life like that. Like live life when you find a purpose of something you actually love right, and feel it. Exactly. And it, it found you. It found you. Well, yeah. I mean, I love it. I love doing Civil War, World War II. I've done Revolutionary War one time. I was a spy for the British because um, we do scenarios and have, you know, they do different things. And then um, for uh, Civil War, I'm a Southern lady, but I've had, I just married my fifth husband, Mr. Getty who's lives in New Jersey, who's in the oil business. <laughs> yeah. So I was married to Mr. DuPont, but he got, he got arrested and shot by the Yankees for selling beef to the North and the South. So he was a war profiteer. And um, so I've been in more, you know, I talk about mourning, but I like to tell people about history because, you know, they read it in books and you don't really get it or you watch a movie and the movies are never authentic done you know they're not period correct and so when they see it live and you can talk to them and understand it kids are really amazed at stuff like how does your dress stick out like that or or you know let me see and i and and for world war ii i get a lot of people in the medical field that come through my display and they're like wow i can't believe everything now is thrown away they reused everything you know they just they see the stuff they go stuff hasn't changed that much you know or yeah, they just they, they really get involved in it and they like to hear the story. And when you see it live and and and, you know, it's surrounding you, you understand it more and you can get it more than just seeing a movie or watching a documentary or having a teacher tell you or a lecture or something like that. Seeing living history is totally different. I think, you know, I learn a different way. I have ADHD, so I don't learn. You know, I have to I'm more. Oh, what is it? The learning like books and stuff. I, I can read a paragraph and go, what did I just read? You know, what did I read? I'm dyslexic too. So that doesn't help. But, you know, to see something and you're immersed in it, you learn it and you understand it a whole lot better. Yeah. So. I mean, you clearly, you gave me like so much information. And yes, once you see a guy, especially in Europe, all like the men wear suits there and they have nice yeah. hair. It's refreshing. You know, and I, I think, it's this thing, especially now, where you don't see guys like younger guys, especially dressed up. They wear pajamas. They wear slippers in the streets. They look like I know. What they, like the man bun. It's like I, I can't the tell the bun. difference. I want to go and just if I had scissors, I'd go and cut it off. You the know? bitch bun. When I lived in Europe, though, the guys had man buns there like long ago because they had the long, heavy metal hair and they'd put it All up right. cooking or if they're cooking. Ah, uh, that sounds so horrible. Um, some of them had jobs as chefs or they were just, it was too hot out, you know, but now it's just a style, this bitch bun. And then you, you go behind some of these guys, right. And you see the bun and then just the, the skinny jeans and the man bag. Right, it's not right. a guy or a girl. Girl, exactly. Exactly. And a you lot of people know. don't like Hugo Boss because, you know, Hitler wore those out, but he made outfits for him. Yeah. But it's not yeah. a Hitler thing. It's the fact that it is just the outfit. It's the clothing. Right. And it makes men. And you know that mustache men. will never be in style. No. <laughs> I mean, it was in style in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s because you look at old pictures 
and all the men had the little mustache. I mean, they, you know, the Fuhrer had it, so I got to have it, you know, and they all had the, you know, that's why I love the haircut, you know, the little bowl and, and short on the side, high and tight, high and tight. You know, I love that, that haircut. And thank God my boyfriend has that haircut. Oh, wow. That's hot. <laughs> it's so sexy. I love it when he goes and it's all shaved on the sides, and, you know, longer on the top. It's just like, mm, that's sexy. It's but, not um, blended though properly because it's also a movie I saw about the war on 4th of July at the Era Theater in Santa Monica. They had this uh-huh. whole special of like war films. So in one of them, it educated you about the haircuts and that's a haircut of the enemy when the hairline is a certain way. But I was so busy looking at the guy because he was actually really hot. I'm like, wait a yeah. second, that's that hot cut. And you can't say that because people are going to be like, well, you're a Nazi. You know, I get that for doing civil war. They think I'm pro-slavery and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, I mean, or they call me a Nazi or, or say that I'm, I, you know, just, I'm, yes, I am a Republican and I'm proud to be a conservative <laughs> white female, you know, and I'm proud to say that, uh, that I think our systems broke because I do think Trump won. I still am a denier of, I think you won. I think that we got fucked. I think all America got fucked. And I think Joe Biden is a bumbling idiot. I mean, it's, it you know, I live in Tallahassee, which is which is Democratic. And there's only two counties that there's more Democrats than there are Republicans. And this is a college town. We have FSU and FAMU here. So, of course, it's a college town. There's more crazy fucking Democrats here than there are Republicans. But you know, I love our governor. I hope he wins again. I'm sure he will. There's nobody that can that can beat DeSantis. And I hope he runs for president soon. You know, I just want him to stay here for another couple of years. I don't want him to run off and run in the next election, maybe the next one. That would be good. But, you know, you know, he was great. You know, our governor was um, he was in the Marines. He um, was a was a like higher up in the SEAL teams, you know, he, 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 um, worked the SEAL teams. He's done everything. He's an amazing man. You know, his wife had cancer and she finally is in remission. Thank God. He's got three young kids. I mean, I don't know how the guy does it. I really don't know how he does it, but he's an amazing man all the way around. You know, you couldn't find a more clean cut American than you can in DeSantis, you know, and that's, that's what I like about him. He's something else. I know. I remember the wife survived cancer, which I thought was, you know, it was good because that's a very tough thing. I have friends that have gone through it. And, you know, regardless, I think a lot of the problems, like I am now, um, they're bringing me into work at the polls for a few days. Oh, good. Yeah. So I finished like doing the whole online training seminar and there's so much stuff in there I've just collected. I'm like, wait a second. Well, then how? Wait, you guys don't want to count certain provisional? Whoa, 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 wait a second. There's a lot of crappy stuff in California. I know. And I showed up to vote like during the recall. And the girl's like, well, you already voted. I'm like, no, I didn't. I always vote in person. Well, you already voted. I'm like, okay, well, I'm telling you I didn't. So she gave me a provisional. She's like, here, take it. We may not count it. I see her take it from me. I gave it back. And she's like, we have to put in our envelope, which isn't the way it works. So they do a lot of shit, like a lot of things. Yeah, it'll be interesting to it'll, But I, I know I don't get the whole thing with mailing because I'll agree. Like everyone can agree to disagree, but I think it should just be one day out of the year. Right. 
that we all go, even if you take off from work for the day and we all go in that one day and make it, oh, make, make it a holiday. It, it's early in the morning, 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. at night. So, sure. you know, some, you, in one of that time period, you should be able to go and vote. I mean, I do yeah. vote by mail because I'm lazy. But I have. Stop I it. know, and I shouldn't. But I do vote by mail. I just voted. So, you know, because they send it in early. I know, I know. When it comes to presidential, when it comes to the presidential race, I'm definitely going to go in person. I'm not going to vote by mail. Change starts at a local level. And, you know, one thing I could say is Democrats, Republicans, everyone should be all concerned that we have a weird system with mail-in ballots. Now, I was watching the whole instructional thing on the mail-in ballots because they have me handling that too for two days. So I've gotten this huge education on it. But, um, I feel as though there's a lot of information people don't know and they need to like younger voters, especially need to get out there and learn. I'm not saying stay on TikTok. I'm not saying stay on the web doing this. Go actually research things. I speak to young voters like once a week, but I give them facts from both sides, not just one. Can I tell you the main reason why I do it in person and mail them? Because when it comes to the judges, they don't tell you who's a Republican and who's a Democrat or who, who, who appointed them. So I like to do my research or like the county commissioners, you know, so when it's at the local level, I, I don't like going in blind. So my roommate, I made her change from Democrat to Republican because I told her I couldn't live with the Democrat. <laughs> so I made her change her thing. And then I, she screenshotted the front and the back of my ballot. I said, so when you go on vote, this is the way you need to vote. You know, hold her. she's like, okay, you know. But I want to I want to see, you know, if it was Chris, who's a Democrat, if he's appointed this judge. And of course, I say no. But if, you know, DeSantis appointed the judge, then yes. And the county commissioners, you know, I want to find out. So I do my research to find out if because I don't want to go into the booth and not know when that stuff pops up, if they're a Republican or a Democrat. Now, I don't know if they do that in California, but here in Florida, they don't put down who they are, you know, who they're affiliated with. Well, I could say this in our local elections right now in Santa Monica, because we've had such a horrible city council misallocating funds to bullshit things. And, you know, a lot of my fans are like, oh, what do you mean bullshit things? I could tell you right now, an HR department's job is to ensure that there's equity, inclusion and diversity. Right. Right. So now you hire someone extra for that and pay them one hundred fifty thousand. In the meantime, we have crazy people in the street. We have homeless people and we've also got, you know, rapists and pedophiles that are in the street as well. So that 150 could have been taken to get these people off our area, our neighborhoods and put them somewhere where they want help. And if anyone says they don't want to be there, that's not true because there are their resources now. In fact, I met a guy during the pandemic who was homeless. He never asked me for a dime, but he'd always sit outside of Bank of America drawing. So like a few months ago. This guy like comes up to me at the store talking. He's he's a worker at Walmart. I'm like, okay, what do you want? Not Walmart, at Walgreens. And he's like, you don't remember me? I said, no, I used to draw you. I drew people by back. He was homeless at one point during the pandemic. Uh He lived in a shelter down the street. He got his life together. He got his cash. You know, he cleaned up and he went out every single day looking for a job. And now he works at Walgreens. Oh, good. Yeah. So there's all yeah, like hearing the stories like that. Because when I lived in California, I remember when we were looking at houses to buy, <laughs> I, I wanted like Santa Monica, I wanted to live on the beach, but I didn't want to have to step over bums when I opened up my front door to get to my car. 
you know, or needles or anything. And that was 30 years ago. But the homeless situation, you know, when it really happened is in the 70s and the 80s when they started closing the mental hospitals. They just let these people go. You know, these people that have serious problems. I mean, when I worked, when I was getting, because I have a degree in psychology and I worked for a doctor and then I went and got my, um, when I was getting my license here in Florida, I had to do C, C, CREs or whatever. And I had to go work and do so many community service hours. So I worked at a homeless day center. 99% of those people that are homeless have mental problems. I mean, schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is the worst kind of disease. You have voices in your head telling you stuff and they're not telling you nice stories. They're telling you bad shit, like go kill, you're a piece of shit, you know, things like that. I mean, these people talk to themselves. I mean, they have really serious issues. They need to be medicated, but they don't want to take their medication, you know, or they take the medication, they start feeling better and they go, I don't need the medication anymore. No, they need to be watched and they need help and they should have more hospitals for these people. And I mean, I'm a very big advocate when it comes to mental health in the hospitals because, but they, they shut all these down and they just let these people go. And they did it in California and they did it in Florida. They did it in New York. They did it in all the big States and they just let these people go. You know, they need to have group homes. Group homes is another great thing. So you can monitor their medication and make sure they're on it and they can have a job. You know, even if it's a part-time job, they can, they can, you know, contribute to society and not be on the streets. Because yeah, I, I hate it when I see people on the streets. I just hate it. Especially seeing women on the street. Because, you know, that's a hard life. Yeah. Then they end up pregnant. You see them like nine months later. It's really, some of yeah. that, like, during right. the, before the pandemic, it was a safer area. So part of the time, like I'm in Santa Monica, Malibu, then the other part of the time I'm in Europe. So I don't really, you know, I don't have any, I have a lot of connections to here, but the thing is, uh, it's like Gavin knew. Okay. So when I heard that they were letting inmates out during the pandemic, yeah. you know, like my nipples are getting hard. I'm like, Ooh, are these like the guys in the movie shop collar? I'm like getting ready. <laughs> It's these like low life pedophiles and low rent drug dealers. I see one in the street. He's scrawny. He's like, hi, ma'am. I'm like, let me ask you something. Like, where are you from? Oh, you know, I I'm from, I'm from, uh, he said he was from like uh, up by Atascadero, which is a mental home, but there's also a men's prison. I'm like, well, why did you come here? Oh, they just let us out. You know, I got accused. He told me what he was accused of was partying with a 16 year old girl. Oh, my God. So I yeah. snapped a photo of him. That's I downloaded it. Yep. I downloaded it and I pasted this photo all over the place saying that he's a pedophile and he likes 16-year-olds. <laughs> I mean, I have to because there are kids in these neighborhoods, but I just, yeah. I wouldn't talk to him. So basically, these same suburban moms that like Gavin Newsom are so stupid because he let pedophiles in the street. He let drug yeah. addicts in the street. No one did a background check on them once they hopped See, on these buses. With drugs, with drugs, I think they should... Instead of putting someone in jail for marijuana or cocaine or whatever it is, as long as you're not like a trafficker or anything like that. But if you're a user and you have a drug addiction, you don't need to be in jail. You need to be in a hospital and rehab. You know, I think drug addiction is like alcoholism is like di diabetic. You're addicted or you have a problem and you have an issue that can be changed through mental health you know, and medication and, and, and just somebody to listen to, you, you know, therapy. I mean, it's just like, 
you know, these people that are in jail, I mean, you know, they catch a five year sentence for some, it's not that right when they get out, they're going to use again, you know, they need to be, they need to be in a hospital, you know, and, but they don't, they don't have any of that available. They don't, they don't, you know, I think it was Portugal that decriminalized all drugs. And they said that petty crimes went down. Everything went down, you know, criminal wise, because they de they decriminalized the drugs and they said they used the war on drugs. It was not working and all the millions of dollars they spent on the war on drugs. They put it into education, rehab and, and, and information to people. And now they have less ODs, less everything important because of that. And I think how smart is that? People should learn from that, you know, instead of, instead of doing what they're doing. Cause what they're doing is, is not very good. They're not winning, you know, they're not winning. So they need to change it up. They need to change something. Well, yeah, that's interesting because say in a country like Norway, um, here's what they do in Europe, especially in Scandinavia. So let's say you go to jail for murdering someone. It's, I think the minute, the maximum sentence is like 18 years or 10 years. It's in that range. So after like the first two years, actually, let me give you a better example. Uh, my friend who had a cocaine charge, we were at a white party, you know, those like white rape, the white rape parties, everyone's wearing white. And we were at one of these parties and he had a bunch of acid on him. So the cops came busting down the party, right? Uh-huh. We're all trying to just run and get out. He had seven, yeah, eat all seven acid? hits of acid and he was high on coke. So I'm looking for him. They arrested him and busted him. It was his second cocaine charge. So I'll tell you what they did. They gave him five years in jail. But after like four or five months, he was allowed to use his Facebook for like two hours a day and use his email. Um, After eight months, he had a cell phone. Then after a year, you had like your own little area that you lived in, kind of like a hut almost. Right. After 18 months, then you're allowed outside for like a two hours a day. Then after two years, you know, you're allowed on the computer more. And um, then after that, you know, you integrate back into society slowly where you go get your job. He still had his job because he was an amazing engineer. Oh, so okay. he, he built tunnels. <laughs> uh, so he had his job. He's working like a few hours a week. But then after they let him out a year early because of good okay. behavior. And he was so well integrated. He he never got in trouble again. But yeah. I mean, it was so crazy. I just remember how intense it was because we're at this party. It's amazing. Everyone's having a great time. And all of a sudden you hear the cops come busting down. Oh, and yeah. I was looking I, for you know, Even if I didn't have anything on me, I'd still freak out. You know, yeah. that would freak me out. Well, I freaked out. I tripped, too. I'm like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, but seven hits of acid is a lot. And he looked crazy, too, at that point. Right. Well, but, you know, see, yeah. that, that is more integrating somebody back into society, right. which is good. I mean, here... They just give you $50 and throw you out on the street, you know, and they go, okay, you got your probation officer. You got to meet tomorrow. Well, then you have all these fines. You got to pay $75 a month to the probation officer. How are you going to get that money? If you don't have a job, you don't have a place to live. You know, I mean, it's just like they don't do anything to help these people that have been in jail for two or three or four or, you know, to have low level drug charges or or, you know, something stupid, you know, that they stole the car and went joyriding. I'm talking about like a young person, not like not like a like a ring of people that go out and steal cars for a living. But, you know, stupid shit like that. They they don't need to be treated 
differently than a pedophile or a murderer or a serial rapist or anything like that. I mean, that's totally in a different category altogether. They need to be castrated and locked up and throw away the key. You know? No, I agree. And I think I had this other one of my crazy Jasmine ideas for um to eliminate more uh, to eliminate the violence amongst prisoners in jail. Here's what it is. It's it's really genius. Are you enjoying the ride on my crazy train? Woo! Please make sure to rate and review Crazy Train Podcast. Take a screenshot, send it to me in a DM via Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and I will send you a free goodie bag. Oh, and Crazy Train Podcast is now on YouTube. So subscribe, Crazy Train Podcast, that's with a K, on YouTube for video interviews and never heard before interviews and some really cool bonus content.